Okay, so we are continuing our series in theology. We call it the foundation of our faith. Uh, these are the basic doctrines of the Bible that we believe and why we believe them. We just finished a section on bibliology, which is the study of the Bible. And uh, so now we're going to pick up with the second doctrine, and that is the doctrine of theology. Now, the Greek word theos is just the word for God. Ology is the suffix that just simply means the study of. So literally, theology is the study of God. Now today, we're going to begin, uh, we'll have, actually have four lessons on theology or the study of God. We're going to start today with the existence of God. How do we know that God really exists? How do we know that there is a God? And if we do, how do you explain that to somebody? Well, that's what we want to talk about today. So let's start, 1 Corinthians chapter 8. We're going to read verses 4 through 7, and we'll have a word of prayer. We'll talk about, is there a God, and can we know Him? 1 Corinthians 8, verse number 4. The Bible says, So then, about eating food sacrificed to idols, we know that an idol is nothing at all in the world, and that there is no God but one. Paul is writing to the church at Corinth, and they were struggling with, should we eat meat that's been offered to an idol, which, by the way, was very common when the meat was sold in the marketplace, um, especially when they were in a predominantly Gentile area. But the Jews sometimes uh, struggled with that because according to Jewish law, they were not to eat meat that had ever been offered to an idol, um, according to Jewish dietary law, which, by the way, Jesus did away with when he died on the cross. They didn't need that anymore. So there was a problem going on. There were some young believers that still were, their conscience was bothered when they'd go to the market and they'd buy a, a lamb chop or a great big piece of steak, and maybe that was meat left over to an animal that had actually been killed and sacrificed to a false god. And so that's what Paul is talking about. But he says, this, this idea about eating food that's been sacrificed to an idol, it, it's not really important in the world. Because we know that whatever these false gods are that this meat was sacrificed to, they're really not gods anyway. So what difference does it make? You're not sacrificing. So it, it's not some kind of true spiritual sacrifice to a real God because there's only one God. So whatever false God there was is really not a God at all. So this shouldn't bother you. So that's what he's talking about. Let's keep going. Um, verse number 5. Paul says, For even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many gods with a little g and many lords with a little l, meaning that there are many things that people refer to as gods or masters. Yet, verse 6, for us, there is but one God, the Father, from whom all things came and for whom we live. And there is but one Lord, or literally the word there is master, Jesus Christ, through whom all things came and through whom we live. Believe verse 7. 
But not everyone knows this. Paul says, look, to you and I who know the Bible and believe the Bible, and we know Jesus and we believe that he is God, to us, there's just one God. He is the Father and Creator of all things. And there's only one. There's not a multiplicity of gods. There's not different gods. And as in another place, in Romans 1, he talks about these gods made out of silver or gold or wood by man's hands. They're not really gods at all. To us, there's only one God, and there's only one master. His name is Jesus. However, we all need to realize not everybody knows that. Not everybody believes that. Not everybody understands that. So, that is... Our question today, if not everybody knows this, but we do, then how do we explain to somebody that we know there is one God? How do we know that? So that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to look at a couple of things first to give you kind of a background of how God is viewed. First of all, we're going to start, as we did in our last doctrinal topic, we're going to start with the doctrinal statement from our church that talks about God and what we believe about God. And here it is. God is the creator and ruler of the universe. He has eternally existed in three personalities, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are co-equal and are one God. So that is, as a church, that is our statement of what we believe about God. There is one God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They are co-equal. They have always existed. And He is the creator and ruler of the universe. Now, what are some other views of God? Let me give you these real quick, and uh, we'll, we'll just run through them real fast. This, by the way, is not all of them, but these are some of the most common. Number one is atheism. Basically, this says God does not exist. Okay? Uh, I'm going to show you in just a minute that there is no such thing as a naturally born atheist. I'm going to show you from the Bible that I believe the Bible teaches that every human being has an inner consciousness that there is a God. Everybody does. So to get to this, you have to train yourself to believe that God does not exist. Okay? By the way, in Psalm 14 and verse 1, the Bible says that only a fool believes in his heart that there is no God. So you don't want to be that. Okay? Number two, there is an agnostic or agnosticism. Now what is that? Well, the, the word itself has to do with knowledge. So here's what an agnostic in general says. God is unknown, but not necessarily unknowable. In other words, we don't really know who he is, but it doesn't mean that it's not possible that you could. But they're basically just neutral on the subject. In other words, I don't really care if there's a God or not. So I'm not going to spend the time and the effort to try and figure it out. He's not commonly known. He is unknown. But you could possibly know him if you put forth the effort. But an agnostic says, God's not really important to me, so I'm not going to put forth the effort to know him. Okay? Number three, pantheism. This is basically the belief that God is everything that exists. Nature and all the forces that cause nature and mankind to be, that is God. It is not a personality. 
It is not a, a person who loves us and cares for us. It's a force. For those of you um, Star Wars fans, may the force be with you. That's, now, that's not what they're talking about, but primarily that, that's the concept of pantheism. That God is not a person who created us. God is a force. And it just kind of exists. And that's why we all exist. You can't really explain it. It's just a force. All right? Then, polytheism. This is the belief that there are many gods. There's not one. There are many. Uh, some examples of religions that believe this. Hinduism, Confucianism, Taoism. A lot of the Far Eastern religions believe this. Mormonism actually believes a form of polytheism. Mormonism, a Mormon will tell you we worship one God. However, within the Mormon doctrine, they believe that it is possible for each of us, through a process, to actually become a God. That's what they believe Jesus is. He is not God. He is a God. And you can possibly get there. So that, in its very essence, is polytheism. They believe in multiple gods. The truth being us possibly being able to become one. Okay? Um, next, number five, deism. Now, what is this? This basically says that God can only be known through reason and nature. So basically, they would never believe in anything supernatural or miracles. In other words, if you can't explain it, it doesn't exist. Which doesn't require faith, uh, but it does require a lot of intelligence. So dumb people probably could never know that God exists because it can only be known through reason and nature. It's got to make sense. Well, if that's true, then we might as well throw our Bible away because there's a lot about the Bible that doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense that a holy, completely pure God would forgive sinful and rotten men who don't even ask for it. That doesn't make sense. So I'm glad that's not true. All right. And then finally, there is monotheism. This is where you and I would fall. Monotheism says that there is one God, He created everything, and He holds everything together. However, there are different interpretations of this. Let me give you a few examples. Um, Islam would fall under monotheism. They believe in one God. Now, here's the key. The key to whether or not it's biblical is their view of Jesus. To Islam, Jesus was a great prophet. He's not God. But like Muhammad, he's a great prophet. Okay? Number two, Judaism is monotheistic. They believe in Jehovah God. However, <coughs> they believe that Jesus was a false Messiah. He was a good man, but he's not the Messiah, and he's certainly not God. And then there's Christianity. And Christianity believes that Jesus is the Messiah, and he is God. Okay? But... All three of those believe in only one God. All right? So these are, when you run across people in your life that you will stir up conversations about God, and the types of people that you may have a conversation with who say, how do you know God exists, it's very possible they will fall into one of these six categories in their belief about God. All right? Now, let's look at, number two, some arguments for the existence of God before we go to the Bible, and of course the Bible is really the only thing that matters, but we're going to look at some of these. And by the way, all three of these have a biblical basis, all right?
So three arguments for the existence of God. Number one, the cosmological argument. What is this? This is the argument that says that anything that exists necessitates that there is someone who caused it to exist. In other words, because you and I exist, something had to make us happen. We didn't just happen. Something had to cause this, all right? In Psalm 19, the whole chapter, the Bible says, The heavens declare the glory of the Lord, the firmament showeth His handiwork. Day under day, utter speech, and night unto night shows forth His glory. Literally, creation tells us that there is a God. Because if something has been created like this, there has to be a creator. All right? Number two, the design argument, or literally the teleological argument, it's also called. What this means is that if something is designed with meaning, purpose, and an ultimate end, then there has to be a designer. It can't be just by chance because there is a logical purpose for it to exist. There is a logical pattern for why it exists. And there is a logical end as to where it's going. That necessitates that there be a designer. Quite often, the watchmaker is used as an illustration of this. Those of you that have a watch on your arm, um, this didn't just happen by chance. I mean, somebody didn't wake up one morning after a long night of pizza and beer, burp real loud, and voila, laying on the bed was a watch. It's a miracle. There had to be a designer. This thing exists, this watch, because somebody invented it and made it and put it together. Well, this watch in its complexity is nothing compared to your body and the way it's put together and the way it operates. That didn't happen because some gaseous explosion out in space. There has to be a designer. Number three, the moral argument. This is the argument that says because there is the existence of a moral law, it necessitates that there is a moral law giver. That moral law had to come from somewhere. Um, the Bible teaches us in Romans chapter 2, verses 12 through 15, that even the Gentiles who do not have the written law do by nature the things that are already written in the law, even though they don't have the law to tell them what's right and wrong. Their conscience tells them right and wrong. There is an illustration I read of a professor who was teaching this in one of his classes. And there was a young man in the class that said, I do not believe that the moral law holds water because I don't believe there is morality. Therefore, I don't believe there's a God. One of the other students in the class, and by the way, to say there is no morality is to say there is no right or wrong and that you have no sense of right or wrong. So one of the other students in the class walked over to, and evidently it was a science class, and um, they were talking about the existence of God um, in, in the framework of science. And so this one student walked over into the kitchen area of the science room where there was a pot of boiling water that was boiling for an experiment. He walked over, he picked up the pot of boiling water, he walked back over to the kid that said he didn't believe in morality, and he held it over the top of the kid's head and said, so if I pour this on top of your head, then I didn't do anything wrong, right? And the story goes on to say the kid rapidly left the classroom. The truth of the matter is, you and I, 
without any Bible, without anybody telling us, have a sense of morality, of right or wrong. Now, there are levels of morality, and some people have higher moral values than others do without ever going to church or seeing a Bible. The, the, the level of morality is not the issue. The existence of morality is. And if there is morality and there is guilt, you ever felt guilty? You know why kids, when they got brothers and sisters, whack their brothers and sisters and run? Because they know morally I wasn't supposed to do that. Do you know why when you steal a cookie out of the cookie jar when you're not supposed to, you don't run and tell everybody you did it? Because you know you're not supposed to. That's morality. So, if there is a sense of morality, right and wrong, whatever level, it necessitates that there is a moral lawgiver. That sense of right and wrong had to come from somewhere. And again, it didn't come from some gaseous explosion out of space somewhere. Somebody had to create that and put that inside of us, okay? Now, all of these things have biblical basis for why these teach us the existence of God. But ultimately, the only thing that really matters is this. The biblical facts about God. Why do I believe that there is a God? Because the Bible tells me so. In just a minute, I'm going to give you four or five reasons. I think there's four reasons why people do not believe God exists. And one of them is they don't believe the Bible. The truth of the matter is you can know God exists, and I will show you that all human beings have an inner sense that there is a God. They may not know that He is the God of the universe. They may not know that He's Jehovah God or the God of the Bible, but they know that there is a being higher and more powerful than they are. And I'll show you that in just a minute. However, if you don't believe the Bible then the fact of whether you believe in God or not really becomes irrelevant. Because your biggest issue is you don't believe the book that God gave us. And there's no way for me to convince you there's a God if you don't ever believe the Bible. So, for us, do I need an argument that God exists other than the Bible? No. We just spent four weeks talking about why we believe the Bible. If I believe the Bible, this is all I need. One of the things we learned about the Bible was the Bible is all that we need for life and character. It's all we need. So why do I believe there's a God? Because the Bible tells me so. Okay? So let me give you five facts about the Bible. Number one, the Bible assumes that God exists. In Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1, the very first verse of the Bible, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The Bible assumes that God exists. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, and verse 16, the Bible says that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. It even assumes that God is the one that gave us the book. So, first of all, it assumes that God exists. Number two, all men have an inner awareness of God's existence. I want you to take your Bible and turn with me to Romans chapter 1. Okay, just flip back a few pages to Romans chapter 1. And I want you to look with me at verse number 18. Romans 1.18. Let's start with verse 17. Get the context. Um, Romans chapter 1, verse 17. For in the gospel a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith, from first to last, just as it's written, the righteous will live by faith. Again, he, Paul is reiterating the fact that we believe there is a God because we believe the Bible, and we believe the Bible by faith. 
Okay? Verse 18. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Notice that phrase. They are suppressing the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them. Why? Because God has made it plain to them. Now, he's not talking about Christians who read the Bible all the time. He's talking about wicked people who don't want to hear anything about God and are suppressing the truth. Or the truth enters their mind and they're trying to put it out of their mind and not think about it. And God and Paul says here, under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the reason they're doing that is because what can be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain. Every human being has an inner knowledge that there is a God because God made sure that every human being had that knowledge. That's what Paul is saying. Now, what do we do when we have this inner awareness? Why can we have this and still not believe God exists? Well, that's what I'm going to show you in just a minute when I show you four reasons why people don't believe in God. Okay? So let's, let's move on to the next one real quick. So the Bible assumes that God exists. Number two, the Bible also tells us that all men have an inner awareness that God exists because God has made sure they have that. He's made it plain to them. Number three, God can be known but not fully comprehended. Now somebody says, now wait a minute, what are you talking about? We can know God. In John chapter 14 and verse 3, Jesus told his disciples, if you have known me, you have known the Father. So you can know God. We can know that God exists. We can know who he is. We can know how he loves us. We can know what he wants us to do. We can know what he's done for us in salvation. We can know anything God wants us to know from the Bible. However, we're never fully going to comprehend God. In about three more weeks, we're going to talk about the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Three persons, one God. But they're three persons. But they're one God. But they're not separate, but they are separate. You and I cannot comprehend that. And unfortunately... I hate to bust your bubble, but I'm probably not going to be able to help you understand it any better. I will tell you what the Bible says, and again, I believe it. I'll explain as we go further, you'll begin to understand more Jesus' role and the Holy Spirit's role as we get into that later. But we believe it by faith because God said it. If you and I could fully comprehend everything there was to know about God, He would not be God. I don't want a God that I can explain everything. I want a God that I can just say, you know, there's some things he does and there are some things that he is because he's God and I don't understand it. That makes him God and me not. Okay? So, we can know him, John 14, 3, but we will never fully comprehend him because he's God. Deuteronomy 29, verse 29 says, the secret things belong unto the Lord. So there are some things that only he knows that he doesn't want us to know. Okay? Then, number four, there is one God. We read that in 1 Corinthians 8 when we first started this morning, where Paul says all these idols that this stuff is being offered to, they don't really mean anything in this world because to us we know there is only one God. Okay? 
And then number five, God is supreme. First Corinthians chapter eight and verse six tells us that God is the one who created everything. He is the one that gives everything life. He is the one that holds everything together. Okay? So these are the biblical facts about God, and these are the things that the Bible teaches us about who God is. Now, next week, we're going to start a two-part lesson entitled, What is God Like? Next week, we're going to talk about what is God like in His nature. He is omnipresent. He is omnipotent. He is omniscient. He is immutable. What do all those things mean? That's his nature. That's, what, that's who he is in his very nature. Then the week after that, we're going to talk about what God is like in his attributes. Love, holiness, those kind of things. And we're going to look at all of them, and I'm going to give you a list of them so that you know what his nature is and how it's described, and you'll know what his attributes are. And the Bible teaches us that about God. So that's how we know not only that God exists, but we also know him and what he's like. Okay, now let's close today by talking about why some people do not believe in God. Um, unfortunately, there are still a lot of people that, even though you show them all this, they're still not going to believe that God exists. They're still going to be atheists. Um, so let me give you real quick four reasons why people do not believe in God. Number one, they don't believe the Bible. In John chapter 5 and verse 39, Jesus was talking to the Pharisees, and he says, You search the Scriptures because in them you think you have eternal life, yet these, the Scriptures, the Bible, these are they, the instrument that testifies or gives witness about me. It is this book that tells you, Jesus was telling them, that I am God. And so... The Bible also says in Romans 10 and verse 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So if you do not believe the Bible, it's very possible you won't believe God. Number two, they suppress or exchange the truth. Look back down at Romans chapter 1. Um, we're going to keep reading here. Let me see if I can explain to you what this is. In Romans 1 and verse 18 again, the Bible says, The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men, who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Literally, they hear the truth. It starts to tell them there is a God, but I don't want to believe there's a God, so they kick it out of their mind. They suppress it. By the way, we can do that about anything. Sometimes we need to suppress thoughts because they are not the truth. They're wrong thoughts, and we need to guard our mind. So suppressing thoughts in the mind is not a bad thing. Suppressing the truth, because we don't want to believe it, is not only a bad thing, it is a fatal thing. It will destroy our life. Have you ever been told something that was the truth, which meant you either had to do something or change something or accept something, but you didn't like it? I, I think about this whenever I'm watching ball games. Um, there was a, I, I'm watching the College World Series because I love baseball. And uh, I was watching a game the other day, and some guy threw a breaking pitch that he was right-handed. The batter was right-handed. He threw a, a breaking pitch that started on the outside of the plate and broke back in right at the plate. Unfortunately, the team that I wanted to win, it caused 
our last batter and our last hope to strike out with runners at second and third, which meant we lost the game. And I immediately said, that is the worst call I have ever seen in a baseball game in my life. How could that be a strike? Until they put up that little electronic box, you know, that is the strike zone. And they put up that little dot that was way inside that little box, which was the truth. It was a strike. Still a horrible call. But it was the truth. I didn't like it, but it was the truth. And you know, spirituality and Christianity is the same way. Sometimes we're confronted with the truth. We don't like it, so we suppress it. We don't think about it. But nonetheless, we know it's the truth. Okay? That's what Paul says these people are doing. Now notice something else. Look down at verse 23. Same section, Romans 1. Verse 23. Um, well, let me start with verse 22. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools, verse 23, and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal man and birds and animals and reptiles. What are they doing here? Well, we don't like what the real God looks like because he's going to mess our life up, so we're going to make our own God. Instead of this God telling me what to do, we're going to make a God that we can tell what to do. And so they exchange the truth of what God really is into something they want God to be so it fits their life. Going down to verse 25, same thing. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie. And they worshiped and served created things rather than the Creator who is forever praised. So, I don't, I don't like this God, the real God. I don't like Him because He messes up my life. So I'm going to make my own God over here that I can worship because He don't ever say nothing. He's just a chunk of wood that I can set on a desk and uh, rub His belly every now and then. But He don't bother me. You know, He, he won't bother me. He'll leave me alone, and I can do whatever I want to do. And if I want to go out and get hammered, poke on a few joints, I can come back into my bedroom at night, wave at him before I go to bed, and he won't bother me. Everything's fine. We're still buddies. Okay? That's exactly what Paul is talking about. That's exactly what these people did. They didn't like the real God, so they made their own God. And you know what? We do that sometimes. And I'm not talking about real idols. I'm talking about things in our life that become more important to us than God. We do that. Okay? All right. Um, look down with me at verse 28. He says here, Furthermore, since they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, He, God, gave them over to a depraved mind. They didn't think it worthwhile to keep the knowledge of God in their mind. God's not important enough for me to think about Him and make Him a part of my life. That's literally what He's saying. They did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God in their mind. So they suppress it. They get Him out of their mind so it doesn't bother them. All right? Now, let's move on to number three because that kind of goes along with this. Third reason why people don't believe in God is because of their fear of accountability. Um, in Romans chapter 1, in verse number 20, the Bible says, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made. This is that 
innate knowledge that there is a God proven by creation, which we talked about. If there is a design, there has to be a designer. And it says this. This is why, look at the last phrase in verse 20, so that men are without excuse. There will not be a human being ever stand before God to say, but you didn't give me a chance. God's going to say, I gave you plenty of chances. You suppressed the truth. You didn't think it was worthwhile to include me in your life. You didn't want me in your life. So you are without excuse. It is the fear of accountability. If there is a God, and if he is a moral God, and if he is a God of holiness, and if he is a God who will require judgment, then that means if I do unmoral or immoral or bad things, then I've got to answer to him one day. So, I don't want there to be a God. God, be gone. I'm now an atheist. Because I don't want a God. In Romans chapter 14 and verse 12, the Bible says, So then every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. That's why they don't want there to be a God. Because if there is, then I'm accountable to him. Let me give you a kind of a crude illustration, but it's exactly what this is all about. Um, the last several years, I've been going to see my personal doctor, and he has been telling me the truth. I'm overweight. i got high blood pressure. My cholesterol level's up. He also says I'm supposed to lose weight. Um, there was one visit about a year and a half ago that I really looked forward to going because I'd lost 35 pounds. The last two visits that had been scheduled, I had canceled because I gained those 35 pounds back plus. You know why I didn't want to go in there? And literally, I canceled the appointment. You know why? Because I'm going to be accountable. He's going to fuss at me. And I'm going to have to look at him and tell him the same lie I've been telling him. Well, I'm going to work on it. The truth is, I need to work on it. The bottom line is, I'm not. So I'm accountable. That's why I don't want to see him. That's exactly why people don't believe in God. Because I'm going to have to go see that doctor one day, and I'm going to be accountable. And if I can cancel the appointment or convince myself the doctor don't exist, then I can live my life without my conscience bothering me. So that's why people don't believe in God. And then finally, because they like their lifestyle. Um, in Romans chapter 1, verses 21 through 25, we won't read that. Um, but this is where people suppress the truth. They don't want to do what God says. So God gives them over to do what they want to do. Do you know why a lot of people don't believe in God? Because they know if they believe in God, God's going to make them change their lifestyle. And I don't want to change my lifestyle. I like it the way it is. And do we not all have a sin nature that has tendencies toward that? Sure we do. I just told you about part of mine. The truth is, I do need to eat better. I need to lose weight. I need to take better care of myself. That, that's a fact. But I don't always do that. I lose my temper sometimes. I know the little sweet angel that you know I am. I know it shocks you, but I'm not that little sweet angel sometimes. As my wife, I'm not that little sweet angel a lot of the time. I'm a human being just like you are. I have a sin nature just like you are. I get tired. I get irritable. I get grouchy. And I talk loud when I'm mad just like I do when I'm teaching. Except it's a lot scarier when I'm mad and grouchy. The truth is we're, we're all human. We all will battle this. 
We like those things. If sin wasn't fun, it would never be tempting. And we all got to battle that. And we talk about that all the time. The truth is, those of us that believe God and believe in God, we know that God, first of all, is not a great big mean ogre sitting up there waiting to pounce on me. God loves me and will forgive me and help me when I make those mistakes. And I'm glad he does because I make them all the time. But the God that is of the Bible loves us and wants to help us. So believing in God is not a terrible thing. It's the best thing in the world because he wants to make our life better. So why do people not believe in him? Here it is. They don't believe the Bible. They suppress the truth or exchange it. They fear accountability, and they like their lifestyle, and they want to change. And then finally, the last one, and it's not up here, but it's, it's actually the most common. That is, people don't believe in God because they can't explain Him, because it doesn't make sense. Well, the reason for that is they don't believe the Bible. Because God, if you try and think of Him in human means, doesn't make sense. You can't explain Him. The Bible explains it for us. Okay? So, that's the existence of God. By the way, do you know the greatest proof that God exists, if you're a Christian, is your life and what He's done for you. That is the greatest proof. Remember what the blind man said? Jesus healed the blind man, caused him to see. The Pharisees grabbed him and said, Who is this guy that made you see again? Is he God? Is he the Messiah? And they wanted him to say yes so they could punish him and go after Jesus. What did the blind man say? Look, whether he's the Messiah or God, I, I don't know. But there is one thing I do know. I was blind, and when I met him, now I can see. The proof that Jesus was who he was to that blind man was what he did to change the blind man's life. The greatest proof you and I have that God exists is the fact that he's changed our lives. And he's made us the good that we are, whatever in my case, a little good, that is. Okay? So when people want to know, do you believe in God? Yes. And the first reason why is because of what He's done for me. Father, thank You for Your Word. Thank You that You do exist. And that You love us. And You have changed our lives. Father, give us a great week. Protect us. Let us be a light to others. Help us to love and care. And show the goodness of God to people through our life this week. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we've got about 10 minutes. Let's go to our breakouts. Co-ed, ladies, 20-somethings, and uh, men, 20-somethings, don't forget Bible study tomorrow night at our house. And then the rest of you, Bible study Thursday night at our house.